the reading is from Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 8, and can be found on page 691 of the Bible. Isaiah's Commission. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Thank you, and beautifully read there. Thank you, Marty. So, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to begin by saying something that I say every year in December, and that is, hasn't this year um, flown by? Can you hear me okay, by the way? Okay, great. Um, Hasn't this year flown by? It's just shot by, I think, Um, because already we're well into this Advent season um, and this very special time of waiting and anticipation. And uh, of course, when I say waiting, I'm not talking about uh, waiting for presents. I'm not talking about waiting the queues to go about our Christmas shopping. Um, I'm not talking about the anticipation of what will be on the telly or perhaps who will win Strictly Come Dancing this year um, or what people will think of the presents that we've bought them. Instead, in Advent, we anticipate something far more precious. We anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can try and imagine actually the lives of those who lived uh, 2,000 years ago as they waited in expectation for their coming Messiah, which of course we will celebrate um, with the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. But also in Advent as an opportunity uh, to look forward as well, in anticipation of Jesus' return at the end of this age, when all death and suffering will end and complete justice will reign. Now, who can tell me uh, which group of people that we remember uh, this morning? Um, Somebody should know, I think. Anybody? Who do you remember this morning? Shout it out nice and loud. Yes, the prophets, that's right. Um... Yes, today we remember um, those who down through the ages um, foretold, um, foretold the coming Lord Jesus. And if you were here last week, um, you'll recall how Jodie um, began a series on one of the greatest prophets um, in the Old Testament, and that, of course, is the prophet Isaiah, which we heard from this morning. And last week we explored Isaiah's opening chapter which, like me, you might have found quite challenging, as God had more than a few choice words to say to his people 
um, a people that had once again strayed from the path that he had set out for them. So here's a sample of how God described Israel, or specifically Judah, the southern kingdom, in that chapter. Sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. As Jody said, um, God doesn't pull his punches. If God has something to say, God says it, and he always gets straight to the point. So last week we heard Israel um, being rebuked for turning away from their God and for rejecting God's mission call to them. That of being a people set apart, different from the nations around them. That of being a light reflecting the character of God in their words and actions. To love both God and neighbour. And so Isaiah chapter 1, on the surface, is a pretty um, (laughs) depressing chapter. But as we looked closer, we could see something. We could see shoots of hope. We could see God was not simply threatening judgment, end of story. But he was calling his people back to himself. And although Israel would not listen, there would be hope in God's judgment. There would be purification There would be restoration and a fresh call for his people to follow him. And so last week, Jody ended with some questions for us. Just as the people of Israel were called, what is the good thing that God is calling us to do? And where is God at work in our own lives and in our community? And what is God asking us to pay attention to in our world, to hold in prayer and to act on? Now I hope that we will continue to seek answers to these questions as we move through Advent and into 2017. But today I want to explore that theme of calling just a little bit more and I want us to ask some additional questions of ourselves. What does it mean to be called? What does that mean to us, to be called? How do we know what God is calling us to do? And what is the key to living out our calling? And I think today's reading will begin to help us answer those questions. Okay, so we have a picture here. If Simon can show us the picture, please. Perfect, look at that. So, um... On the screen is one interpretation, as you, as you, as you, well, <laughs> one interpretation, if you like, of something described in our reading. And we can see here the winged creature, the seraphim, uh, touching Isaiah's lips with a burning coal. And of course, any picture cannot capture all of what we heard this morning. But at the very least, this picture reminds us that for Isaiah, God's call on his life was pretty dramatic. That's probably a bit of an understatement, really. Um, And it begins like this, doesn't it? It begins, in the year that Uzziah died, the king of Judah died, Isaiah sees the Lord. Remember, Judah's the southern kingdom of Israel. And in this period of uncertainty for Judah, Isaiah has this stunning vision in the temple of the true king of Israel, the living God. The one who is always sovereign, 
and always in control. And he sees him seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple. Can you imagine that? The train of his robe fills the temple. And these winged creatures, these seraphim, surround the throne and are proclaiming God's holiness. The temple shakes and the smoke fills the temple. And it's a sight that understandably has a deep effect, a deep effect on Isaiah. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had an experience quite like the one that Isaiah had. And I actually think that Isaiah handled it better than I would, to be honest. I am ruined, he cries. He is terrified. For Isaiah is a man who truly understands who God is. He's someone who understands God's holiness. And he also understands God's righteous anger against the sin of the people. And in fact, the smoke of the temple may may, um, serve to indicate this, this righteous anger. And Isaiah also understands by comparison who he is. Um, And this understanding has terrified him. But here's something to remember in this. God has called Isaiah. Isaiah didn't bring himself before the throne of God. It was God who acted. And Isaiah may have been sinful and undeserving to be in God's presence. But it's in God's presence that Isaiah finds himself standing before the throne. And it is God once again who makes the next move. Because in order to send out Isaiah with a mission, something needs to be done about Isaiah's sin. And so one of the seraphim swoops down and touches Isaiah's lips with a hot coal taken from the altar. And of course, the, an altar is a place where sacrifices were made to atone for sin. And the coal is burning hot, perhaps a symbol of refinement and purity. And it touches Isaiah's lips, lips which Isaiah will use to speak the words of God. And God declares to Isaiah that his guilt has been removed and his sins have been forgiven. It's done. It's dealt with. And from this point on, we see a change in Isaiah. We we see a confidence in him that we didn't see before. Gone is the fear. Gone is that feeling of unworthiness. And God now has a mission for Isaiah. And he tests him, perhaps, with a question. Who should I send? He asks. And Isaiah responds boldly, here I am, send me. And God replies with a command, yes, go, he says. And so with all of this fresh in our minds, let us return to the questions that I posed for us at the start. What does being called mean for us? Are we called, in fact? Well, we could think of being called as being commanded to follow. And it is a natural result of choosing to follow Jesus Christ for every one of us, no exceptions despite how you may feel. 
And it can be pretty daunting, actually, to choose to follow Jesus. And we may often feel inadequate and incapable. I certainly do. <laughs> and we all too, uh, sometimes we're all too aware of our own failures. I certainly am. And yet we can remember that just as God called Isaiah where he was at, so God in Jesus calls us where we are at right now in this day. And God asks us to bring all of ourselves to him and to place our trust in him. And of course, let us not forget this incredible truth that the gospel which was hidden from Isaiah and from all the prophets, which they just saw a shadow of, if you like, which was hidden from the people of God in ages past. That has been revealed to us in all of its fullness. And that is God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. And of course, we can see the cross. It's, it's right behind me. <laughs> and we can believe in the resurrection. And we have been given the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And because of this, we could be confident, you know, right from the start of our journey with God, right from that moment that we are called, that we have no need to feel terrified like Isaiah. We have no need to be ashamed of our sin in the light of God's holiness. Because in Jesus, our sin has been taken away. It has been nailed to the cross. And we have died to sin and we have risen to new life in Jesus. God has done it. And so now we can boldly approach the the throne of God and we can ask for whatever we need. And we can know that we are cleansed, we are forgiven and we are justified. And of course our feelings quite often try to convince us otherwise, you know, but our feelings can be deceptive. We mustn't let our feelings rob us of the truth that is ours in Jesus. We can have peace. So, God calls us, God cleanses us, God commissions us. So how do we find out what God is calling us to do? Well, I think that is very simple, (laughs) and it's also very hard. And the answer to this is also, I believe, the answer to our final question, and that's namely, what is the key to living out our calling? What is the key to living out our calling? And I think the answer to both of these questions is this, get to know God. You know, God already knows us intimately and perfectly. How well do we know God? And how can we know what somebody wants of us unless we speak to them and spend time with them and give them the space to speak back to us? In addition to this, how can we know if it is really they who are speaking? if we haven't learned to recognise the sound of their voice. Talking to God, listening to God, spending time with God, therefore, is vital. There are two primary ways that we can do this. 
And so I think they go hand in hand. And those two things are this, prayer and the words of the Bible. So as we come to God and we spend time with him in prayer and in scripture, however, that, however we do that, whatever form that takes, as we learn to trust God and become familiar with who he is and how he has acted in the past and how he promises to act in the future and how he promises to act in the present, we can learn to hear God's voice. And it can take time. You know, growing in intimacy with somebody, with anybody, including God, takes patience and effort. But it does and it will happen. And God is reassuring to know is completely committed to this. He's completely committed to the most intimate relationship with us that we can imagine. Are we committed to seeking that relationship? To nurturing it and helping it grow. So how do we know what God is calling us to? Well, I believe the answer has, is right here, actually. And that is God's primary calling to us. His primary calling to us, above all else, is to relationship with him. You know, God is calling us to prayer. You know, he's calling us to seek him in his word. He's calling us to deepen our intimacy with him. And if we do those two things, prayer and study of scripture, you know, God promises that he will take care of all the rest. So it's time to ask ourselves afresh this morning, do we pray? Do we study God's word? Do we reflect on his word? Is there a space in our daily lives for time with God? Or do we find ourselves so busy that quality prayer time goes out of the window? Now, if that is you, don't feel bad. <laughs> that is many of us. So here's another question for you. What can you drop or what can you move around in your life that will give you that quality time with God every day? And I do want to press this home to us because it's something I'm very passionate about about quality time with God and I'm passionate about it because I've seen what God can do when we pray you know prayer and the word is the Christian's lifeblood and let's not allow ourselves to be robbed of our full potential in Jesus instead let's seek God and let's be amazed at what he can do through us Perhaps in 2017 and through Advent, actually, you might want to keep a journal, if you don't already. Um, jot down thoughts and feelings that come to you as you pray. That could be helpful. You could write down answers to prayer and the dates that they were answered to encourage you when it gets hard, when you feel that your prayers perhaps aren't being answered. <laughs> you can share with other Christians for support. Um, and also it's important to pray how you can pray and not how you think you should pray. You know, God loves honest prayer. And God takes all of our prayers and they're precious to him. And our efforts in prayer are never wasted. You know, that little prayer for someone on a bus that you see, you know, that you shoot up to God 
that um, God is doing things in that beyond what we can imagine. And so, to finish, as we walk forward in our journeys as individuals and as a community, let us remember to rejoice. Let us remember to give thanks to God for who he is and for what he has done through Jesus Christ. Because God is the one who has chosen every one of us here. God is the one who has called every one of us here. And through Jesus Christ, God is the one who has set us free from our sins. What an amazing God we serve. As we live out the calling of all Christians, may we do justice, may we love mercy, and may we walk humbly with our God this Advent season and beyond. Amen.